Hello, and welcome to episode 21 of the Movie Brats Podcast. I am Carter, and joining me, as always, is Jonathan. How are you doing, Jonathan? I'm doing well. It's almost the end of my semester, so I'm grading and making exams. Spring is in the air. Blockbusters, like Marvel's latest, The Avengers, are out. But uh, the topic of our discussion will be a much smaller, lesser, uh, flash less flashy movie but before that we've got some news uh that hit the cinema world recently uh leonardo dicaprio uh is joining guillermo del toro's nightmare alley uh which is going to start production this year leonardo dicaprio just keeps lining up projects with interesting directors he's got a uh, once upon a time in hollywood coming out this summer uh with quentin tarantino this is going to be the first time he's worked with guillermo del toro and when I think of Guillermo del Toro, I do not think of big-time movie stars. So it'll be interesting to see how this uh, this uh, collaboration ends up being. He probably got some clout from winning Best Picture for The Shape of Water, and mm-hmm. people, I think people would want to work with him anyway. But having one Best Picture that certainly ups your cred in Hollywood. And this is going to be his first movie since winning Best Picture, uh, Guillermo del Toro. That is, uh, this. Is some sort of supernatural mystery. Leonardo DiCaprio is going to play like a detective. Apparently this was already made before in the 40s, 1947. So this is sort of a callback to Guillermo del Toro's love for classic film. And I don't know, this is exciting. A lot of people were very lukewarm about The Shape of Water. I think it was better than the blowback. It definitely didn't deserve to win Best Picture. But it's not like it was awful. And Guillermo del Toro is one of the more interesting directors working today. So... Uh, yeah, it's like I wasn't, I wouldn't have voted for it for Best Picture, but I'm happy that Guillermo del Toro got all those prizes. And uh, I think Pan's Labyrinth is his masterpiece, but I actually don't think Leonardo DiCaprio is a great actor. Yeah. I think he's given some really good performances. <laughs> yeah, he, I just, I, I've never been able to get over the pretty boy Titanic image. Yeah. Um, I think his best performance is Revolutionary Road, which I think is a wonderfully depressing movie. And uh, I just, you know, even in the Scorsese films, he's good, but I don't think he's one of the 20 best actors under 50. Wow, hot take. <laughs> in other news, something that a movie I've been interested in seeing for a long time because I've always heard about the production for it. That movie is Chaos Walking, which is starring Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley. Apparently, it's going through major reshoots as a Lionsgate executive deemed the movie unreleasable. Uh, this is directed by Doug Lyman. It started shooting in August 2017, and it was supposed to be released this past March. So. Do you think this movie will ever see the light of day? Probably in some butchered up version, but do you know what most intrigues me about this film is one of the screenwriters that was brought on was Charlie Kaufman. Really? Oh my gosh. Yeah, he's one of the original uh, – well, I don't know if he was one of the original screenwriters, but he's one of the ones that has written on it before this recent doctor. Upset. He did some sort of like fixing of right. dialogue and stuff like that. Yeah, I read somewhere that he was uh, one of the script doctors on one of the Kung Fu Panda sequels. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, they get people like him and Alex Ross Perry and Andrew Blajowski, these indie filmmakers, they get them to do script rewrites. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, Doug Lyman's done some interesting films. I thought Edge of Tomorrow was really clever and yeah. fun. And he did um, – I don't think his Bourne films are, are as good as the Paul Greengrass no. ones. 
but uh, he did he do one or two? Uh, he did the. I believe he wrote uh, one of the, the first, first one, and I think he might have directed it. Then uh, the second couple were definitely yeah. uh, Paul Greengrass, and then I think Tony Gilroy actually did the most recent one. But yeah, that's an aside. And the subject of our movie review for this week is Peterloo. It is a sprawling epic depicting the reform movement in Northern England in the early 1800s, culminating in the 1819 Peterloo Massacre in Manchester, in which government forces attacked a peaceful assembly of marching workers, resulting in 18 deaths and hundreds of injuries. Uh, It is directed by Mike Lee, who also did Naked, Secrets and Lies, Topsy Turvy, and his most recent movie, 2014's Mr. Turner. Uh, It is an an ensemble cast. Uh, The one person who people may recognize is Rory Kinnear, who appeared in a bunch of the James Bond movies. Uh, It premiered September 1st uh, last year at the Venice Film Festival and was released in the U.S. uh, on April 5th. A Metacritic score of 67, a Rotten Tomatoes score of 66, an opening weekend box office of the U.S. at a stunning $26,000 current box office in the United States is a gigantic $116,000 in $680,300. I was one of the opening weekend because I was in New York. I saw it with Lee in person at a Q&A. Which is pretty awesome. So you were among the $26,000 on opening weekend. Um, I don't understand why it's Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes scores are so mixed with only two-thirds of critics actually liking it, because I thought this movie was incredible. It's a difficult watch. It comes in at around two and a half hours, but uh, and some would say boring. Little it moves over. really slowly, yeah. But Mike Lee is better than, I think, almost any current working director at recreating a historical moment and making you feel like you're actually seeing history unfold before your eyes in a movie theater. And just for that alone, Peter Lou is unbelievable because it transports you absolutely to the early 1800s. And it's just an incredible watch. I was just riveted for the whole time. Uh, you saw it with Mike Lee in person. So what did you think seeing it? Yeah, I mean, I even if it's not one of his five best films, he's such a brilliant filmmaker that it's one of the very best films I've seen so far this year. And you're right that he's really brilliant at recapturing history in his previous film, Mr. Turner. He doesn't make it nice and easy to digest. You know, they don't talk exactly like uh, you would. uh, No, that's one of of the best things he is, is recreating how you one would think, because we wouldn't know, because it's not like we have recordings, but the speech patterns and the vernacular they use and the vocabulary is so like different to how people normally talk that you just feel like you're watching people who are actually living back in the time. I mean, he said in interviews that the people back then, even if they were lower class and poor, they really wanted education and that they were literate people. They made references to the classics and they were 
bringing up points that made them seem intelligent even if they didn't have a formal education. And part of the joy of the film is watching these people get up and give speeches and just it's not even so much what they're saying. It's how they're saying it. It's the delivery. It's the performances. I mean, what they're saying is often rousing and it's political. And it's interesting because it is a film that is – the main event took place 200 years ago, but it's an incredibly relevant film. He said in interviews also that while they were making the film, it seemed like every week there seemed to be some event uh, or political uh, turmoil that came up that mirrored Peterloo in some way. Yeah, I, I think that you know the way Mike Lee makes his films, if you don't know, uh, audience members, <laughs> is that he gets his actors together and they improvise and they come up with the dialogue and the characters and the story. And then he gets them all together and they shoot the film. They build the sets and they get the costumes and they actually make the film. But he works for about six months on every film before shooting anything, bringing a camera in at all. They workshop the entire uh, film and they create it together with the actors. And even with a film that's like this, that's based on historical fact, he still does it the same way. And it's a fascinating way. And he's not exactly ever given away what exactly he does, but that's the basic gist of what his process is. Mm-hmm. And it makes for not, I mean, a rambling sounds negative, but there isn't much of a structure to the story. We're not even really sure like how much time passes from the beginning to the end of it. Um, and we're introduced to characters like, uh, I don't we don't like learn very few of their actual names. But you become attached to them in a very emotional and real way because you feel like you're seeing, uh, you know, insight into their everyday lives. So the naturalism with which he depicts historical events is outstanding. It might be my number one movie of the year, uh, to be honest. And I have a hard time seeing anything knocking it off of that. But what did you think of the structure of it? Uh, I mean, did you think it it sagged at times? Do you think uh, it was confusing? No. No, I'm an adult. Like I can sit through a two hour, two and a half hour plus period piece film. I I don't get these critics saying, "Oh, it's preachy and it's overlong and it's people." Well, it, well, it's like Lee said in interviews. That's what the film is. It's people giving speeches. Like like yeah. that's just what the animal it is. You know, like what do you what do you expect a film about Peter Lou to be? It it it's not just the massacre that happens in the last like 15 minutes of the movie almost. Mm-hmm. The um and I do I do think that. Um, it, you know, it, 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 it's not boring, but you have to just be prepared for, you know, what the film is. Yes. It, it is very talky and it is very old, fa- well, old fashioned. I mean, it's said 200 years ago, it's it, but it's still really relevant and, and vibrant and you feel the passion. Yeah. And I just love how his character, I love the acting in his films. It has just this very unique quality where yeah. it, there, there is some theatricality to it. And it's not British people, you know, <laughs> talking like this, but, but, but it still has, um, I just love, it feels so real. It feels so realistic at the yeah. same time, like real people really giving conversations. And yeah. I just like the human moments and the humor in the film. Like when one of the women says, I don't have any idea what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah. you know, that was just really funny. Yeah, because they're giving these big, you know, these they're orating and they're mm-hmm. giving these intelligent speeches, and they say, "I don't know what a single word he's saying." <laughs> yeah, the speechifying. But, um, uh, there yeah, was a lot bit. of it. I mean, but that's like you said, it's the point of the movie. It's all about 
I mean, I didn't know a whole lot. I know a decent amount about English history, but not sort of the specifics about what they were fighting for. Like, back then, Manchester did not have representation in Parliament, which is pretty ridiculous. It's like, you know, if a couple states in the United States didn't have representatives in the Senate or something like that. So it's, I mean, thinking about it today, uh, I mean, it's so foreign to how we operate today, it's pretty insane. But, and, uh, I don't know, the depiction of the upper classes and stuff like that, and just the hatred they spew towards the common worker, and how it's always... You know, their thinking is they want to work less to make more money and that sort of thing. Most certainly applies to today. And you'd think, like, the specifics about the reform movement in early 1800s England would be, like, the most boring possible topic. But Mike Lee makes it feel so alive and really relates it, I mean, to today. Sort of how Black Klansman did with stuff happening in the 70s. And, you know, <laughs> class... Well, work yeah, I mean, I... Like I... <laughs> I bring up this point about he said that if people back then who literally gave their life for the right to vote and you see people and the numbers, especially of young people, the percentage of who votes like they would be, uh, you know, disgusted. Oh, something we definitely <laughs> with, take for you granted know. and you don't really consider even 100 years ago in America, women couldn't vote. But it's not really something you think about on an everyday basis. And it's nice to be reminded seeing a movie like this because the climax of it. I mean, spoilers, a bunch of people die <laughs> when the government attacks a crowd of people. That's sort of what the whole movie's about. But it's one of the more violent and upsetting scenes I've seen in a long time. Just because it was so... you just felt so believable when, like, these, you know, drunk, angry English guys on horseback are just wantonly stabbing women and just stabbing guys in the stomach for no reason. And you're like, this is just so horrible. And to think that it actually happened 200 years ago is not that long ago. I mean, and we're very privileged like, to live in a place where people aren't getting stabbed by their, uh, their, I mean, we sort of are, but not in the same way that happened in this. Yet. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah, like Lee is, Lee is 76 years old and he was saying that he grew up knowing people that, you know, weren't at Peterloo, but, yeah. you know, they're grandparents were you know like th like it's not that long ago like when we think of history you know we think of things like slavery being like a hundred thousand years ago no it was you know it was uh, you know the great 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 grandparents yeah. era and you're talking about the structure too uh mike lee said that one of the th you know that the film is not a documentary uh but he tries to be true to the events and to the history and to the people and he said that he did a little sleight of hand because there's the opening of uh, Battle of Waterloo, which was in 1815 in July, yeah. or sorry, June, and it makes yeah. it seem like Peterloo happens in August of that same year, which is, yeah. it's a he compression it, of a timeline of events, but it works uh, dramatically. Yeah. Yeah, he said it's sleight of hand the way he did it. It's not saying, you know, it's just, it it makes it feel compact. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, no, I just, I, I yeah, I, re I really enjoyed the film. I think that it's uh, even, it, it's the thing I remember I saw, I've seen all of Mike Lee's films. He's been making them for almost 50 years and including a number of his TV movies, which are amazing. And even his lesser films like career girls or all or nothing they're still better than 95 percent of the movies that come mm -hmm. out these days they're yeah. you know his his like it's like with the coen brothers their 14th and 15th best film are still like 
really interesting and strong. Well, Eddie makes so, a lot yeah, of different think... types of movies. Like, he can do the historical really well, like he did with Topsy Turvy and Mr. Turner in this one. But then he can do, like, Another Year, which is <laughs> sort of like an old person aging dramedy and just stuff like that, which is very tonally different than Peter Lou or Mr. Turner. So, in his early comedies, which I haven't seen a lot of, but you speak really highly of, shows, I mean a really variety to the sort of stuff he can do as a director. Oh yeah. I mean, he made his first feature theatrical film in the early seventies, bleak moments, I think 71. And then he went 17 years before making his next theatrical film, but he made a number of TV movies for the BBC and he had total creative freedom and he's done his films the same way always. And I, if you, if people haven't seen his TV movies, I highly recommend Nuts in May, Grown Ups, not the Adam Sandler film, uh, and Abigail's Party. Those are three of his best. Screamingly funny and so sharp. Uh, but yeah, he's been, uh, you know, a lot of his movies are similar. A lot of those TV movies and early theatrical films are like they call them kitchen sink dramas and comedies. Uh, but, and, you know, and Vera Drake is another period piece when we did that's not based on an actual person, but he's done many period piece films. So this is a, you know, it, it is a much more of an epic uh, than his other movies and it's you know all of his other films that were based on uh, true stories have been focused on real people and this was a, an, an event a historical event more than characters even though there are characters that are based on real people but yeah it really works well it's a perfect fit for Mike Lee yeah the characters are an interesting sort of aspect of it because I mean, some people would argue, like, these people aren't even given names, you don't get their backstories, you know so little about them, how could you have any sort of emotional investment in what happens to them? But we spend very little time with each character, but in the time you spend with them, you feel like you get to know so much about them and their life and how they think about the world, that when the culminating event happens with the massacre... I mean, you feel like you have great insight into all of these different people, like upwards of 20, 30 different people, even though you've spent relatively little narrative time with them, and they're very uh, vaguely sort of sketched out characters, but they just feel so lived in that you really have an emotional investment with them. And that's a credit to the character work that they do pre-production, like you were mentioning earlier. And Lee said in interviews that even though the baddies are obviously the baddies, they are de fully developed characters too. I mean, there's no denying that he views them negatively and that they're bad people, but they're interesting and developed and they're, they have their own you know, motivations well. and justifications and they feel very justified with their actions at the end of it which you're like how can this possibly be true and that just shows you the contradictions that can exist inside of people and there's just so much in in this movie to like unpack it's just really incredible yeah i don't know if you know the feeling i uh, i during a film like this but sometimes you're watching a movie where it seems boring, but you're just like sitting there like, no, this is actually really working. Like you're feeling good because like this, yeah. this should be so boring, uh, but it's just so riveting. And I, you feel like an adult sometimes who's like, this is like a serious adult two and a half hour period piece. But like, it's really entertaining. Like yeah. I'm actually getting it. No, you ever totally. feel like that. During oh, a totally. Movie, you're like, oh, this is actually. 
You're yeah. like, how long has this been going yeah. on? You're like, oh, two hours. Like, ah, it actually feels like it's been uh, not that long. So they're actually doing a pretty good job. Because this really could drag. And just talking about it, I mean, the the plot, it sounds like it'd be the most boring movie ever. But and very few people have given it a try. <laughs> it's made barely over 100000 at the U.S. box office. I wish more people would see it. Uh, predictions, do you think this gets any Oscar nominations? No. Yeah, I don't think it does either. Which is a real shame. It, comes, it shows you the travesty it, it, of the whole thing because it came out so early this year and actually came out last year. But yeah, fuck the Oscars. This is a great movie. It was a rich. <laughs> it was originally going to come out at the end of last year, but I think because of the not incredibly overwhelming critical acclaim that uh, it received, uh, they pushed it to you know the end of uh, you know the first part of this year. But I, I think that. You know, Amazon Prime released it, and Mike Lee has spoken nothing po- but positively about them, saying that they let him have complete creative freedom. He says that he's an extremely lucky filmmaker because for almost 50 years, he has never had to, you know, he's had complete freedom the entire time. He's never had to change his film. He said that, you know, whether, you know, everyone is entirely successful or not, that's another question, but he said he's never been compromised. I mean, that definitely, I mean, he, someone who doesn't carry the cachet of Michael A or Michael E never would have been able to make this in the first place. So <laughs> I'm sure he's very happy with uh, well, his career status like, at the moment. Maybe I Ridley mean, Scott. Like Spielberg could make it, but there's... Oh, well, why would he want to? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he did stuff that, you know, Omnistad yeah. and, uh, you know... The Spielberg but, Peter uh, Lou yeah, would not have historic. been nearly as good, I'll say that. Yeah, I mean, it just feels like a perfect match of story, you know, historical event and a filmmaker. Um, uh, the only other one, I guess, that could have done it is Ken Loach, but I don't think he, it would be even harder for him to get the money. Oh my god, yeah. So just sort of wrap up, yeah. uh, who would you recommend this movie to? I would recommend this film to p- Number one, Mike Lee fans. I think that's the you know big part of the audience. People that are familiar. I would say most people that have seen this, that are going to see this film in a theater, have probably seen at least one other of his films. No doubt about um, people that. People that like, yeah, I think that people that like period pieces that are not just like, I think there's certain people that like really bland, safe PBS type mm-hmm. costume drama period piece films that don't really care about being. You know, True you know, to the they, period. they don't really care if they're. Yeah, it's it's well, they just like to be, you know, like the Downton Abbey type yes, that, exactly, you yeah. know, that like they would like it. But I think that it's pride and prejudice. That... <laughs> right, right. But um, well, I mean, I went to the screen in New York and I was sitting next to a guy who was younger than me. I mean, he probably like when his in his early 20s and I turned to him and I said, um, well, I, I said everyone in this audience is over 50, a film student or gay. And he got, anyway, yeah, I'm a film student. And so it's like there's certain, you know, Peter, Lu, like there's nobody except you that's like, well, you are a film student. So, yeah. you know, there's that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's no nobody that, that to be over 50, a film student or gay to go see Peter. Lu, that's gay probably who I'd recommend it to. Yeah. <laughs> it's a tough sell for yeah. most people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know what's that that weird thing about, like, you know, gay people are, like, really good taste in movies usually. Like, they're the ones that go see, like, (laughs) well, like, the Deep Blue Sea. Like, you see that movie uh, by Terrence Davies with, (laughs) 
oh, you would really like it. But it's like it seemed like a it's gay people movie. over fifty or <laughs> gay. Yeah, well, it's no, but it it, it is not. It, it's not no, gay. No, no, at all. no. It doesn't I know. Have any kind no, yeah, yeah. But it seems like like you're I know what you mean. <laughs> gay person. Dumb. Oh, did you see Deep Blue Sea? Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, J- well, James Ivory, uh, you know, is gay, and a lot of his movies, even if they don't have gay content, like oh it's, it's like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's also like, um, who's the other filmmaker? Um, I mean, mean, there's just certain films you can like, it's the AARP crowd. I mean, I, well, I actually went to a movie once and there was like these two women that were like in their thirties or forties. And one of them said it was like a Tuesday in the like late afternoon. And they said, um, you know, every time I go to a movie this time of day during the week, all of that the whole audience is either old people or gay men. I mean, that's true. It's just like, they're good. But honestly, like old people are the best people going to see movies. I mean, besides young people seeing garbage, like Avengers, uh, and, uh, Probably yeah, a it's high like, percentage nope. of the gross of this, of Peter Lou is credited to people over 50. You're definitely not wrong about that. <laughs> yeah. And movies like, you know, Phantom Thread, Oh like my a, god! I would yeah, say when that, I saw you know, that, it was literally entirely like retirement age people. Someone died in the plus. theater. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. I was just saying it's the type. Oh, it of would movie not be that, shocking um, for real. There was like three old women yeah, together but, on a little trip to see Phantom Thread, and then me. <laughs> yeah, this is kind of a random tangent, but I also saw Hotel Mumbai recently, and um, it's this really grueling film about a terrorist attack, and it's interesting. It happened. Uh, I saw it. Uh, it, the film is set in 2008, but mm-hmm. the day after I saw it, there was the horrible uh, terrorist attacks in Sri Lanka that very were very similar to what happened in the film. But I was talking to the person working at the movie theater, and he said that he's had a number of people go to the movie thinking that it's a comedy. Oh my god! And I don't know why. And I think they were thinking it's like the exotic Marigold Hotel type oh, movie because yeah. Dev Patel's in that. Or too. the Hundred Foot Journey. And it's like they start. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they're like gunning down people, and like yeah. people are getting like. Their heads blown off. Very it's prominent terrorist it's like attack. The... Yeah, I don't know why people would go to see a movie with like a gun on it. You know, it's yeah. like this is not a comedy. You know, yeah, it's set in India and it has Dev Patel and Army Hammer in it, but it's like people being tied up and yeah. So some people don't really know what they're getting into. I think most people seeing P- I, like Peter Lou's a movie that like everyone going to it like knows what it is, even if they're not real familiar with the historical event. Yeah, look, they know what they're getting into. Just looking I at think. the title Hotel Mumbai, if someone were to go to a movie theater without knowing anything about the movies and just looked at the screen, Hotel Mumbai. Oh my gosh, that's probably a cute movie. I, that's the only oh, situation that, yeah, I could think of. <laughs> It, it it's like you could imagine someone going like, oh, this is like a pleasant film by Mira Nair that's like a <laughs> yeah. family comedy, you know, and set in a hotel. No. About a well, family I mean, business that... running a hotel in Mumbai and learning about life and yeah. overcoming daily struggles. <laughs> there's, Well, there's always stupid examples of like why they changed a movie title. It's like the, the Evil Dead was originally going to be called The Book of the Dead and the producer went, don't put book in the title. People <laughs> think they have to read. <laughs> You know, but it just shows anyway, you the sort Peter of stuff Louis movie both... uh, studios think about when selling a movie. And uh, Peter Lou was not one they were concerned about making money on. I can assure you that. And uh, they were definitely no, successful I mean, in that's their the thing. Yeah, I mean, the thing that I, I, I actually asked Mike Lee a question during the Q&A. I said, 
thank you for being here. I actually came all the way from South Carolina. He said, no, thank you. I just had to come across town. Uh, but he said that um, the question I asked him is, what is the hardest thing uh, and the easiest thing about making films compared to when you started 50 years ago? Like what's gotten easier? What's gotten harder? And he said the hardest thing is still getting the money. Yeah. And he says that he's trying to make a film now that's on a bigger scale than even Peter Lou. And it's just like – he said that what's happened a number of times is that they – you know, he the way he makes movies is uh, the, he has to tell the moneymakers, uh, I don't know what the story is. I don't know what it's going to be about. I don't know who's going to be in it. But we're going to make this movie. And then they let him do it. But the thing that's happened a few times is like, we'll let you do your movie this way, but we want to cast this person mm-hmm. in it. And he goes, no, absolutely not. I'm not doing that. So he's been uncompromising in his vision, and I, I highly respect him for that. Yeah. Well, and it ends up coming up with masterpieces. I'm going to say it's a masterpiece, like Peter Lou, uh, which is incredible, and I hope everyone who listens to this ends up seeing it, because it's awesome. Uh, but that is going to be all for us this week. Uh, thank you for listening, and we'll be back uh, with you next time. Wake up your sleepy head Put on some clothes, shake up your bed Put another log on the fire for me I made some breakfast and coffee Look out my window, what do I see? A crack in the sky and a hand reaching down to me All the nightmares came today And it looks as though they're here to stay What are we coming to? No room for me, no fun for you. I think about a world to come where the books were found by the golden ones. Written in vain, written it all by a puzzle man who questioned what we were here for. All the strangers came today.